in Hebrews 11, it goes through all these characters of faith, heroes of faith like Noah, like Abraham, like Enoch, all these different characters. And it says in Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, I believe that's all these heroes of the Bible that have gone on before us. They're sitting in the grand stands of heaven, and now they are cheering you on in your race, in your calling, in the mission on your life. Amen. And what you're doing, you have to see, is connected to what they started. We're sustaining the move of God in the earth the mission of God in the earth. The Bible says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trists us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has before us. You see, each of us has a race to win, has a goal that God has put in front of us, has a finish line that God has put before us. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. There are grandstands today that are celebrating the fact that you're here, that you're on your race, and they want to see you finish and further the kingdom of God. And then we're going to pass it. If Jesus tarries, we'll pass that mission on to the next generation. Amen? These Bible stories, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Once again, it wasn't written to teach you about them. It was written to teach you about you. Amen? So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we may have hope. You can watch these characters endure. You can watch them believe God. And so today we're going to talk about Abraham. Who is this hero of faith? There's a lot to get through in the book of Genesis. So go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 12. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. That's the first book of the Bible if you're new to God's word. So go to the book of Genesis and look for chapter 12. We're going to start reading about Abraham. Actually, if you don't know this, he was originally called Abram. Abram. And God changes his name later, and we'll get to all of that. But Genesis chapter 12, have you found it yet? Have you found it? Thank you. Participation is a good thing. Genesis chapter 12, and if you're at home, grab your Bible as well. You're going to want to take notes and to see this. So God comes to Abraham and puts him on a faith journey. He actually gives him an opportunity to take the journey. Let's start here in 12 verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, Go to the land I will show you. Please underline that in your Bibles. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. So right here in the beginning, real quick, do a quick jump over to Genesis 11, verse 30. I want you to see something. Verse 30, Abram's wife's name was Sarai. The Bible says here in verse 30 of chapter 11, Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. So now you go into chapter 12 where God begins to talk to Abraham about a nation that would come from him but yet his wife is unable to have children. So let's just kind of start the conversation. Number one, in talking about this 
story of this hero of faith, of this journey of faith that's affected us all, number one thing I want you to see in this is that God approaches Abraham with this opportunity. Please write that down. God comes to Abraham and approaches him with this opportunity. God journeys and God's stories and God dreams originate from God. So wasn't Abraham just saying, well, I really want to be famous, or man, I really just want this family. I want, a, I want a, a lasting nation to come from me. God comes to Abraham and says, I have an opportunity for you. I have something I would like you to do. There's a journey. I need you to leave your family. I need, to leave, need you to leave the familiar, and I need you to go on a journey with me to a land I will show you. And so you hear a bunch of stuff going on in this conversation. Number one, God invites Abraham into this journey of faith. Please write that down. This is a little different because you're going to see, as a believer in your life, there are journeys of faith that get forced upon you, and there are journeys of faith that God will invite you into. For instance, some of you have experienced a negative report from a doctor. That's a journey of faith that comes upon you. It comes out of seemingly nowhere. And you use your faith, believing God for his promises, for healing, and then by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. We call for the elders of the church. We're standing on promises of God. But that was a kind of an out of left field, something that, was, that has come upon you that causes you to take a journey of faith. Do you see that? But then there's these journeys of faith that God gives you the opportunity to go on, but you don't have to say yes. God says to you, will you step out of a boat? If you do, you'll walk on water. But you still have the choice whether or not you want to step out of the boat or into this journey of faith. And that's hard. It's, it's, it's almost easier sometimes when you're forced to use your faith than when God says, I'm inviting you to use your faith. Can you see the difference? See, when God begins to invite you to use your faith, he's going to invite you to lay down some things that are comfortable. He's going to invite you into scenarios where you have to step away from your family and what you've known into the unknown. You don't have to do it, but God is inviting you to do it. And it's in those invitations that when you say yes, you're saying yes to God, not to all the details being told to you in advance. Are you understanding that? Abraham here was supposed to leave his father's house. What does that mean, Pastor Kevin? Why is that a big deal? He's a, he's a grown man. Why is that a big deal? His father had been an idol worshiper, had been a, a, a not a God lover, not a God knower. He would worship idols, and his whole family has always worshiped idols. They didn't come from a, a background that knew of God. And so Abraham was not just being told to leave his father's house. He was being told to come away from all those philosophies and ideas and religion that his family had only known, to step away from the tradition and history and belief system of his family and go start a new course, go start a new path. That's tough. Sometimes we don't give enough credit to that, but you know what? God may be inviting some of you. You may be first-generation Christian. You may be first-generation believer, and you may have to step away from some things your family has always done. 
and they may not see it because they don't know this God that you're serving and that you're giving your life to. And will you trust the Lord to build a future for you even if your family doesn't know how to celebrate it or come along with you? You understanding that? Family ties become very difficult sometimes on a faith journey because the family has an opinion about what you should do. But yet again, God approached Abraham and invited Abraham to go on this faith journey. He said, leave your family, leave your known country, leave your relatives to a land I will show you. God didn't force Abraham to do it. And I believe that each of you, God is inviting you into new areas of promises and dreams and callings on your life. But it's an invitation that you have to say yes to. But there's going to be some things you have to let go from the past. Some relationships you have to let go of, some opinions you have to let go of, some traditions you have to let go of, and let God lead you. Let God lead you. And you know, here's the cool part. As God led Abraham, God taught Abraham. Because he didn't know how to serve this God. He wasn't raised in it. But that beginning journey of faith, God was not just inviting him into a faith journey. He was going to lead him in this faith journey. But he had to take the step of faith to say yes. Then he had to do the difficult thing of departing his familiar and start saying, God, I'm following you. I'm with you. I'm willing. Laying down comfort, laying down familiarity is not easy. We as a human race love to work towards comfort. And then once we get comfortable, we defend comfort. And here God is saying, I am going to make you uncomfortable in a journey, and I will teach you along the way. That is a very uncomfortable life lesson. Genesis chapter 13, let's now start following this journey. Genesis 13, verse 14. So Abraham did take one family member with him, Lot, his nephew. After Lot had gone, they separated. Abraham and Lot had separated. Uh, because they were being blessed and all these different things. The Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, west, I am giving you all of this land as far as you can see to you and to your descendants. Now remember, Abraham's wife can't have children. As a permanent possession, I will give them to you so many descendants so many descendants, they will be like the dust of the earth. They cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. So God is talking to him now about land and legacy. Please write that in your notes. Land and legacy. Dominion and heritage. Isn't that powerful? That's what this faith journey is doing for Abraham. He's going from the familiar into something that's going to give him land, legacy, heritage, dominion. But God begins to tell him in this chapter of chapter 13, he said, look with your eyes in every direction. I'm giving you all of this land as far as you can see. And then if you go down to 17, he says, go and walk through the land. I want you to see something else in chapter 15, and I'll bring these two together. Chapter 15, verses 4 through 6. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant. See, what happened was Abraham was starting to get discouraged because he was thinking, My wife can't have kids, and here God keeps talking to me about having descendants. And he's like, God, 
What's the point of all this land? What's the point of all this blessing if it's just going to go to my servant and his family because I have no children? I have no one to pass the blessing on to. I have no descendants. And so he begins to say, why would you do all this to give to my servant? And so God challenges him again. And in verse 4 of chapter 15, God says, no, it is not your servant that will be your heir. You will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside, or Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Verse 6, and Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Let me talk about this principle real quick. I love this one. In this journey of faith, in this walk of faith that God has you on, I love how God is helping Abraham grow in this journey, helping him learn how to walk a life of faith. So Abraham, God comes to him again and says, I'm going to give you this land, see it. I'm going to give you these descendants. And so what does God say in chapter 13? He says, look around. And then he says, walk around. Get this in your spirit now. God didn't just give him a promise or a dream. He said, now go look with your eyes and go walk with your feet. Here's a principle here, my friends. A principle is this. When God begins to give you a promise, you have to start talking about this promise. You have to start putting it up on your mirror in your bathroom. You have to start putting it on the refrigerator, you know, the place you go to most often, praise God. And I love that he even made him walk the land. It wasn't his yet, but there's a principle here. Come on, this is about you and me. This is heroes of faith. This is how faith journeys go. Basically, God promises you a building that you need for your business or you need for your, your ministry. Go walk the land. If you haven't walked the land yet, then you aren't getting it in your spirit yet. If, you, if you're not courageous enough to start putting your foot on the ground that God has promised you, you're not, you're not with it yet. Are you hearing this? If you're not willing to start putting it up in front of you, see, what, God, what was God doing? God was teaching Abraham how to believe. He was teaching Abraham how to get in a position of receiving. He was teaching Abraham how to take what he'd promised and get it imprinted into his spirit person. So the devil couldn't take it away. So doubt couldn't take it away. Are you seeing this? Sometimes we miss these parts of the life of Abraham. We're like, oh, Abraham, he was the man of faith. Abraham grew in faith. He didn't start the mighty Abraham. He started on a journey like you and like me with just a word from God. And the first step was go, get started. And that may mean leaving some relationships behind. That may mean, you know, some opinions of people. You're just gonna have to let it go. You may not have all the answers when you start the faith walk, but you start. And then you start to get that promise into your spirit, man. How do you do that? By what you put in your eyes. How do you do that? By what you listen to. How do you do that? By what you speak about and talk about. What I just told you will help you with your journey of faith and it will help you come out victorious on the other side. That is not a simple little thing. I just told you to be cute. 
How do you get the vision, the dream, the call of God into your spirit man? Why is it important to get in your spirit man? Because it's from your spirit man that is created, that God uses to create it. It doesn't come from your flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. You must get the dream and the vision and the promise into your spirit person. How do you do that, Pastor Kevin? I'll repeat myself until you get this. It's more important that you get these things than I just get through a sermon. Because you are on a mighty journey of faith. You're not just living this life to get through it. God is giving you promises. God is giving you assignments. God is giving you destiny and calling. And these things matter. And these things have to be put into practice. Stop believing your life is just meaningless or you're just an accident. You are in this moment of time by God's divine purpose and plan. Whether or not your parents knew you were coming doesn't matter. God knew you were coming. Are you understanding me? I know our culture wants to tell you that we're just evolved and that we just are accidents from the earth and we're just, you're not just the animal kingdom. You were designed by God. He birthed you into this generation for a purpose. And God, like Abraham, comes to you and he says, I have a mission, I have an assignment, I have a vision, and it's gonna take you starting and going. It's gonna take you having to let go of some people's opinions. It's gonna take you having to put it now into your spirit. But you said, God, the hardest part was leaving and getting started. No, that's just the beginning. That's not the hardest part. There's more to come. But to keep you sustained and to keep you walking, because one thing to start, it's another thing to finish. To keep you going is to get it in your eyes, coming out of your mouth, hearing it in your ears. <laughs> I've been on faith journeys, and I thought the hardest part was the start. Because someone told me that, and it sounds really good on a coffee mug. The hardest part is the start. The hardest part is actually a year later when you're still waiting. And when other people are saying, did you hear God? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or reports start coming in that's the opposite of what God told you. The start was not the hardest part. It is hard, but it's not the hardest part. So can you see in both of these scenarios, God tells them to look at the stars, walk the land, and then here he tells them to start counting the stars. God doesn't just say things to say things. He was giving him a divine principle. But remember, those are principles that were written for our benefit, not just his benefit. Put yourself in the story. I also think it was interesting that God was offering Abraham a destiny and promises that were directly connected to points of frustration and disappointment an impossibility for him. Isn't that interesting? God was inviting Abraham on a faith journey and began giving him promises and destiny that was directly connected to things in him that were disappointments or seemingly impossibilities. You're going to have a nation come from you, descendants. Ooh, God. That's kind of rude to talk to me about because my wife can't have kids. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a wound there. There's a disappointment there. There's impossibility there. And yet that's where God chooses to talk to him about the promise. Let me break it into maybe some other place for you. 
God begins to talk to you about being a kingdom financier and business owner, and you just lost your job. Or you've never known finance throughout your generations. Your generations have never been prosperous when it comes to the area. And here God comes to you and begins to talk to you about changing the generation. Your family's never known money. Your family's never known influence on that level. Matter of fact, money has always been an issue with you. The fear of money has always been an issue with you. And yet God begins to speak to you about changing the generational line in your family. A point of hurt, a point of impossibility. Maybe you don't have the education and you know that you don't have the education. Well, Sarah couldn't have kids, but yet God began to speak the dream. He knew who he was speaking to. And God begins to speak to you about owning companies and businesses and creating um, inventions that will transform the world. And you're like, God, I don't even have the education. That's a sensitive topic, topic with me, and God is still talking to you about it because he knows what he's going to do through you. If you'll take the faith journey with him, if you'll begin to speak what he said, if you'll begin to put what he said in front of you first. Are you understanding this? I don't think there's a disconnection between Abraham's frustration and disappointment and God speaking the promise to him connected to that place of frustration and disappointment. Possibly God begins to speak to you about having a ministry of healing, of miracles, and yet you have had things in your life where people have been buried, that we didn't see the healing manifest, or someone die at a young age in your family. If you go through a lot of the charismatic, spirit-filled kind of revivals in the 1900s, a lot of these like tent meetings and healing crusades, where thousands and thousands of people were getting saved and healed. A lot of these leaders had a sick family member or went through a personal illness themselves. You can go through and do the history and read about it. But yet it was those points of pain, those points of disappointment that God pulls out a promise. God pulls out a destiny. God pulls out a dream and a vision. Isn't that awesome? Are you receiving this? There's a lot of a lot of stuff in here that I'm hoping that you're grasping. One thing I love about this faith journey that God put Abraham on, please write this in your notes as part of the faith process. Abraham wasn't asked to figure out how to bring the promise to pass. How am I going to, you know, fix Sarai, my wife? How am I going to fix her? How, how, first of all, you never say that as a husband. <laughs> how am I going to fix my wife? But the point here is that God spoke vision to Abraham, impossibilities to Abraham, hope and future to Abraham, but he never told Abraham how to figure out all the details. Abraham, it's on you, kid. Figure that out. All he said was start walking and keep your heart stirred in faith and just do the next thing I tell you to do. Can you do that? How many of us can do that? We can start walking. Raise your hand if you can start walking. 
How many of you can keep yourself stirred in faith by what you see, speak, and hear? Raise your hand. How many of you can just do the next thing God tells you to do? Raise your hand. Then you will be successful on your faith journey. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to figure out how to make the business happen. You don't have to figure out how to change the family history. You don't have to figure out how to make all this money. You do the next thing God tells you to do. Amen. I love that God didn't tell Abraham to figure out. Write this little equation down. This was the process. Believe, walk, see. Believe, believe what God is saying to you. Walk, start walking, and then you'll see more. Do you see this? Belief comes where? Where does belief come? <laughs> believe, amen. Walk or take some steps, then you begin to see. Here's the opposite in the way we like to work. See it all, see it, then we walk, and then we finally believe. Is that not human nature? Uh, we say it, we say, I'll believe it when I what? Exactly, which is exactly wrong. Heroes of faith, that great cloud of witnesses, all of them, you start with God, I believe you. God, I believe. And then God's going to ask you to take some steps. And then you'll see the results of those steps after you step. You see this, this process happen over and over and over again in the scriptures. God tells them to believe at the Jordan River. The, the children of Israel believe, take some steps into the river, then the river parts. Here's what we want. We want the river to part, step, and then we're on the other side. We're like, ah, guess God was telling the truth. You'll see this process over, over, over again. The walls of Jericho, same thing. Believe, that's your city. I've given it to you. Walk around it. You see the walls fall down. Believe, walk, see. Believe, walk, see. It's not see, walk, believe. Believe, walk, see. This is the life of faith. This is mature believers. And there will be times that you believe and you start walking and there's a gap before you see. Come on. I was looking around today and I know some of your stories. And I know, I felt in my spirit that some of you were so discouraged because you haven't seen yet. Keep walking. We talked about Noah last week where he began to build a boat and it was over a hundred years until he saw the rain come. But you've heard from God. Be encouraged. Believers for thousands of years have been in the same situation where they've heard from God, they've started the journey, and there's possibly a gap between when the it has come to pass happens and when they started the journey. Just keep walking. Just keep stepping. Just keep obeying. And also keep speaking it. Keep putting it in your ears. Keep putting it in front of your eyes. Amen? Now, I know this isn't one of those messages where you should be rolling down the aisles, but my goodness, you could get a little more excited. My goodness. You're on a faith journey. 
Let me say something. This isn't a threat about being on a faith journey. Like you're scared. You're like, oh, I don't want to do that. My friends, this is how God's people change the world. If we don't grow up and learn how to do this, and you just think it's all like microwave, like Jesus, I prayed, and it happens tomorrow, this world will stay dark and getting worse. But when men and women of God can hear from God, start walking because God has said it, and not be moved by what they see, and you know what? There's going to be a lot of stuff you see that tries to move you. Not just externally, but internally. There's going to be not only the voices around you, but don't forget about your own voice that tries to tell you. But yet this is how God has changed and formed the world for thousands of years. This is heroes and champions of faith. So please do not take this as like, oh man, I don't want that to happen to me. Yes, you do. Because this is a life of purpose. This is a life of destiny. This is a life that's bigger than yourself, which is changing the course of that river, which will impact the generations after you're gone. This is why we're here. We are the salt. We are the light. And if the salt loses its saltiness, we're good for nothing except to get walked on. And maybe that's why some of our Christian generations have been walked on recently is because we've stopped knowing how to do what God has called us to do. And so we haven't really brought a lot of value. And part of the reason I brought value is because we don't know how to walk a life of faith anymore. We're moved by what we see like everybody else. But you're not like everybody else. You are led by the Spirit of God. You are sons and daughters of God. You're not like the rest of this world. You have access, amen, to God. You're not gonna change the world being like this world. Come on, amen. Let's keep going in this. There are some temptations in the waiting, even with Abraham. Open your Bibles to Genesis 16. We have a temptation. Some of the thoughts that came to mind in preparing for this is one temptation is to try to help God along. Has anyone ever done that before? Or maybe, maybe not you, but someone you know has done that before. Where God has given you a vision, a dream, a mission, a promise, and you're like, it's taking a long time. Maybe God, if we just did it this way, and you try to manipulate things, if you put your hands in it, that scripture I, I quoted to you a few minutes ago, man, that's been resonating with me so much, that that which is born of the spirit is spirit, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. I don't want my hands to fashion this thing, because if my fingerprints get on it, it's of, it's of man. But God, God will continue to do what he said. But so many times there's a temptation to try to help God along. Or we begin to make up stories about what God might have meant. Rather than just taking him at his word, we begin to make up stories. Well, maybe God meant this, and we begin twisting what he said. Let me give you an example here in Genesis chapter 16. So Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children, verse 1, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Abraham, Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. And so they ended up, he ended up taking Hagar and having an Ishmael, which later on in life, Ishmael became, the families and generations of Ishmael became contentious with the children of Israel. It became kind of a lasting kind of concern. Listen to this. I, my heart, I've taught this before where it's like, don't have an Ishmael, Sarai and Abraham, you know, man, they really blew it. They didn't wait on God. But until I went on my own faith journeys, 
Sometimes we get a lot less critical of Bible characters when you start having your own faith journey. Here's one thing I can give credit to Sarai. Ready? Sarai believed that Abram was supposed to have this promise. Do you see that? You got to give her credit. Like if she didn't believe they were supposed to have a heritage and descendants and all this stuff, she wouldn't have tried to figure out the details and make it happen on her own. If she would have been like, Abram, it's just me and you, we're good. I don't know what you're talking about, God giving you a vision. She must have also heard what God had said, gotten caught up in and believed what God had said, but she knew the reality of her own inabilities. And so she tried to figure it out on her own in order to help. You know, many of our mistakes of faith are not from a seed to be evil, wicked, or rebellious. Do you understand what I just said there? Many of our mistakes in a faith walk are not like, how can I disobey God? Right? She was trying to figure out how to get God's will to come to pass. But it was still wrong. <laughs> but you have to see that she did believe they were supposed to have that destiny. That was supposed to be their dream. And so they ended up having an Ishmael, which created problems down the road. They ended up twisting what God had said into, did God really say, or maybe God meant this? A personal application for my own life. When God put us on our faith journey from Illinois here, you say, Pastor Kevin, you talk about this journey a lot. I know, because this is my story. This is my faith story. And if you stay with us for 20 years, you're going to hear it 20 years over. Okay? Joel Osteen talks about how he got his compact center every sermon for the last 15 years. I can talk about this faith journey for the next 20. This is my story. But when we went on our faith journey and laid down our church and laid down all we knew and gave up not knowing the total outcome, just knowing what God had said, not knowing how it was going to happen, it seemed impossible that it would happen, that we would come and, you know, be the lead pastors here at Calvary and all these things that the Lord had spoken in a dream and said. Some of you don't know that story. I'd be happy to share it with you sometime. But I'm telling you just a nutshell. There was a season in the middle, just like Sarai. There's a season in the middle where you, you try to start making it happen and figure it out. Why? Because we were running out of money. We were running out of insurance. We, were run we had bills piling up because I had two houses that I didn't know what to do with because I couldn't sell my house in Illinois here. I'm applying to be a postman. I'm applying to be a waiter. I'm an Uber driver for food and all these different things trying to figure it out, and then an opportunity comes our way to be pastors of a local church here in Florida, right down the road from where we live. Seemed like a good opportunity. It was actually closer. It's like 10 minutes from where God moved us into our house. And in that moment, it seemed like, well, maybe God gave me a dream with Calvary Orlando in it, to just get us started and just move us to Orlando so that now we could take this other church which is ready for us to receive. But that's not what God said. But do you see how your brain can begin to do like acrobatics? Well, maybe if I squint and turn my head to the left, that is what God wants me to do. You know what God said. I began to fill out the application to be interviewed in that process. And I felt the Holy Spirit so strong in my spirit saying, Kevin, 
having begun in the spirit, will you now try to end this in the flesh? And then the second verse that came to mind was when Paul said, I was not unfaithful to the heavenly vision. Don't be unfaithful to the heavenly vision. Remember what God said. You've heard this before. Don't doubt in the dark what God spoke to you in the light. Do not doubt in the dark what God spoke to you in the light. God knows what he said. God said to Abram, your descendants. Amen? And he was talking about he and Sarai. And now let's see how God progresses this journey with them. I love this. First of all, I write this down. I love this. I love this. God is awesome. Even though they missed it, even though they had an Ishmael, God didn't remove the promise. Can we just thank God for his grace? Go ahead and just celebrate. Clap your hands and thank God for his grace. Even though they took a misstep, God didn't remove the plan. We need to put this in our theology, my friends. Because some of us, even while I was talking, you can remember where you stepped out of alignment. You know where you went off and made mistakes. And I'm here today by divine design to tell you God hasn't changed his plan over your life. If there's still breath in your lungs, he can still make that plan happen if you'll just adjust and go back on course. Amen. And I love this. Let's go to 17, uh, chapter 17 and 18. Ready? Verse 1. Are you getting anything out of this, by the way? All right, all six of us. Wonderful. <laughs> Me too. Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old. Now, I believe he started talking to him when he was 75. I forgot to mention that to you. So it's like 25 years later. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. I love that today we are even declaring the names of God during worship. He said, God Almighty. And he talked to him about serving him faithfully, live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you, which I will guarantee with you and countless descendants. See, God begins to speak to him again. At this, Abram fell down on his face on the ground and God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. Isn't that awesome? So God, after Abraham might have felt discouraged, after he might have felt like he missed it, God comes back and he reaffirms the covenant. He reaffirms the original promise. He reaffirms the vision. And then he even expands and starts talking about, again, more imagery. Kings are going to come from you. Nobility is going to come from you. Isn't that awesome? He's not saying, I'm punishing you. I remove the plan. He goes back and tells him the plan again. And he gives him more inspiration, more motivation and detail about that plan. I think that's awesome. Love God's heart and God's spirit, helping Abraham, helping him walk this invited journey of faith. Abraham was bound to make some mistakes. He was bound to miss it at times. He didn't know God his whole life. He's learning how, and God didn't abandon him because he made some mistakes. He continues to coach him into success. That's the image of God I've been trying to get to you this morning, is that God's not here to leave you or forsake you. God isn't here to point out your failures when you misstep. He's trying to coach you into success 
us. He's here to guide you. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He's going to help you. He's not much of a help if he leaves you when you fail. He's going to show you where you went off, and he's going to show you how to still succeed. Amen. God is leading you and guiding you in the faith journey and the faith walk. He didn't just dump it all on you to be perfect. He just asked you to keep walking. He didn't expect Abraham to bring it to pass. Amen. So now let's just keep going. In Genesis 17, he says, I will be, uh, in verse 7, I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. I will give the entire land, goes back to the covenant again, land of Canaan where you live as a foreigner to you and to your descendants. It will be their possession forever. I will be their God. Jump down to verse 15. Chapter 17, then God said to Abraham, now again, he changes his name. What is that doing? It's continually reaffirming the new calling, the identity on him. He's hearing it. He's speaking it. He moves from Abram to Abraham. God said in verse 15 to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife. Now remember, she's the one that tried to help God along, right? Here, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Underline that in your Bible. I love this part of the scripture because God isn't pointing a finger at Sarah saying, you tried to help me, you blew it, you, you pulled Abraham away. He's trying to deal with her doubt. He's trying to come in and say, Sarai, Sarah now, I see you, I know that you believe this should happen and you don't know how to make it happen, but I'm reassuring you, I'm gonna do the impossible through you. I want you to read my lips so you don't mistake me. Sarah, you will have a child. You will have a son. Isn't that awesome? So she couldn't miss it. I love that. He tells Abraham this for clarity. He tells her, I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly. She will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. And remember, she's the one that led Abram to go have an Ishmael. Isn't God awesome? Isn't he awesome? Then Abram, listen to this. I love, this is so human. Abram, Abraham, sorry, the names, you know, change back and forth. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief, as if God's not going to catch that. He's like, yeah, God, yeah, amen, amen. <laughs> yeah, right. Isn't he human, just like you and I? How could I become the father at age 100? Now Abraham's 100 years old. He thought, and how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, listen to this. Now Abraham's trying to help God. So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. It's as if God made a mistake. It's as if God accidentally said the wrong thing. God is saying, your wife, she will, Sarah will, and Abraham's like, yes, may Ishmael be blessed. Isn't that interesting? And God, in verse 19, God replied, no! Abraham, stop it. I know what I'm saying. You don't need to help me. 
Amen. No. And then he says her name, Sarah. I almost, I almost see him like, no, Sarah, not Ishmael, Sarah, Sarah. Sarah. Never mind, sorry. And then he goes, Sarah. And then he says, your wife. As if Abraham didn't know who his wife was. Like, can I simplify this more? Sarah, your wife, will give birth. Not adopt, not from the outside, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. God does say he'll bless Ishmael on behalf of Abraham. Go down to verse 21. My covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. Amen? And then chapter 18, you see it again. The Lord appeared to Abram again within that year now, and he began to talk to him again in verse 9. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She said inside the tent. He said, she's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. So now God has told him twice within a year that this was going to take place. Listen to this now. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. So she didn't have any faith at this moment, but yet here God is speaking over her, speaking over her, helping her to catch a vision. And she ends up even laughing at what God is saying because of its impossibility. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? It's interesting. Sarah wasn't in the conversation. She was somewhere else. But yet God, you know, God can hear what you're saying in private whether or not you believe him or not. You may in church act like you're believing God, but what you're saying in the car ride on the way home, all the fear, all the doubt, you know God hears all that stuff. Amen? Then the, but I love this. The Lord didn't sit there and just come down hard on Sarah. He said, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. So she lied to God, and he still didn't take the promise away. Isn't that amazing? But the Lord said, no. I love that so many times, both to Abraham and to Sarah. No, Sarah, you did laugh. I love that. He didn't let her off the hook. He said, no, you did laugh, but he's going to do it anyways. Amen? And you can go all the way to chapter 21, and you'll see that the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he'd promised. She became pregnant, she gave birth to a son. And this all happened to Abraham in his old age. Can you just take a moment and just let all this sink in for a second? <sighs> Abraham wasn't perfect in the journey. Sarah wasn't perfect in the journey. There were times they questioned God, times they even questioned him verbally, publicly. And God still kept saying, I'm gonna lead you into this journey of faith. I'm not gonna abandon you, this is too important. You're going to see what I said. I'm going to coach you on how to live for me and love me and, and, and receive from me. Now, I need about five more minutes of your time. Can I get five more minutes of your time? If you really need to leave for work, I totally understand. 
But there was so much to this Father Abraham story, this hero of faith, I, I can't end yet. I need to show you Jesus still because it's important to you. And I need you to see this other portion in the New Testament about Abraham. Can I get five more minutes from you? Yes? Raise your hand if I can get five more minutes. Great, so 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 35, 45, 50. Awesome, I got plenty of time. Thanks guys, appreciate it. Thanks. All right, listen. Now can we jump into the New Testament for just a few minutes? I got a lot of scripture. These should be, no, I don't think these are on the screen. Go ahead and put them in your notes and listen to me. Hebrews 11, go to Hebrews 11. Because I want you to see something that the Lord showed me even this week, and I think this will help us all, okay? Hebrews 11, verse 8. Hebrews 11, verse 8. Are you in your Bibles? Do you have it? It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. That's where we started in this conversation. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. So did Isaac. That was the son of promise that we just heard about. Isaac did this, and Jacob did this. Do you know how you teach your children, how you live your life of faith will be passed on to your children and your grandchildren? This is bigger than just you. This journey you're on will be a legacy and an inheritance. Who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city God designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and she was too old. See, we just heard that. I wanted, you read that in the New Testament and some of you have never seen it in the Old Testament. Now you've seen it. Listen, she believed that God would keep his promise and so a whole nation came from this one man who was good as dead, a nation with so many people, like the stars of the sky. Remember that verse where God told Abraham to go look at the stars of the sky? All the fulfillment is being talked about here. And the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. But listen, listen to this. And I'll show you again in the next chapter. It said here that Abraham believed and it just kind of went to the fulfillment of the promise. Like Abraham believed and left his land and had Isaac. And Sarah believed and she had a son. If you just read this portion of the New Testament, you don't realize that they fought those things internally. Do you understand what I just said? If you just say, oh, Sarah believed and she had a son, but you forgot that Sarah also encouraged the Hagar debacle. And Sarah also laughed when God said it in the beginning. Are you seeing this? But yet now she's listed in the heroes of faith because God's not sitting there crediting her fear and failure, but her acts of faith when she did get in alignment and said, finally, I believe you. He wasn't holding a record of offense. He was now helping the generations to know her as the woman of faith because every person of faith who goes on a faith journey will have these flesh moments, but you just keep walking and God and his kingdom will always identify you with the faith part, not the fear part. If you just keep walking, if you just keep letting God lead you. Are you hearing this? You don't see the human side in that part of scripture where they fought and, and there were years in between and there was doubt and there was trying to figure it out and, and all this stuff, but yet then we get the results. Amen? Romans chapter four, verse three, very similar for Abraham. Scripture tells us Abraham believed God. God credited to him as righteousness, verse 16. So the promise is received by faith as a free gift. We are all certain to receive it. If you didn't hear my, my, my reference, Romans 4, 3 and Romans 4, 16 through 24. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. 
and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. Remember what I said in the beginning? Abraham is the father of our faith. That's why he's so huge to us. This is what the scripture means when it says, I've made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham, whoops. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates things out of nothing. Or your Bible may say, who speaks those things that be not as if though they were. Even when there was no reason for hope, verse 18, Romans 4, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though he was about 100 years old, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Listen, Abraham saw the reality. This is all part of the faith process. It says here that Abraham's faith didn't weaken, but it did. There were times that we just read about where his faith was weak. He didn't know how it was going to happen. He didn't know if it was going to come from Sarah like God said. He thought it was going to go through Ishmael. He thought his servant was going to get all the descendants and the inheritance. But yet he just kept walking. God kept teaching him how to believe. God never quit on him. And he just kept growing. I love that. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this he brought, and in this he brought glory to God. So Abraham, it says here he never wavered. I love that God doesn't keep record of our wavering. <laughs> but he continues to credit to him for believing and walking. Isn't that good? Because of Abraham's faith, God counted him righteous. And when God counted him righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded, but for our benefit too, assuring us that we also will be counted righteous if we believe in him, the one who was raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Let me show you two things and I'm done. Let's see Jesus in this Abraham story real quick. Because this is what I'm about to say is probably the most important thing I've said all day. Let's see Jesus in this. Abraham's story involved a promised son with a supernatural birth. These are types and shadows of Jesus, okay? I want you to see that the Old Testament is not disconnected from the New Testament. It's all part of this journey. Abraham's son Isaac was a promised son with a supernatural birth. Jesus was a promised child with a supernatural birth, be born of a virgin, amen? Later, Isaac, that son, would place wood upon his back and go be willing to lay himself down as an offering. You know what? Jesus Christ, wood was laid upon his back and he went willingly to lay his life down upon that altar of wood as an offering for our sins. Do you see that? The Bible says that the promise God made was to Abram's seed, Abraham's seed, not seeds, plural, but to seed, singular. Now, I'm going to get real theological with you, but I just need you to stay with me now. God's covenant was with Abraham and his seed. He was prophesying that there would be a specific descendant that would then make this covenant last eternally. God wasn't necessarily promising and making a covenant with every single one individually, but God was making a covenant with Abraham and thousands of years later with a seed that would come from Abraham, a singular seed, which would be Jesus. So you have the old covenant and then you have a new covenant. Old covenant was written with Abraham, new covenant was written with Christ.
Now, here's what I want you to see in all this. Whatever journey of promise you are on, like why is this important to me, Pastor Kevin? Whatever journey of promise you are on, it's not about you or about your happiness alone. Jesus is in that promise somewhere. Jesus is in that destiny that God has you on somewhere. God is fighting for your dream or the promise, not just because it's gonna make you feel good, it's because Jesus is in there somewhere. Do you see what I'm just said? It wasn't that I just wanna give Abraham a son so Abraham feels complete that he had a son. God was trying to bring Jesus into the earth. Do you realize the dream, the destiny, the calling on your life, inside of that dream and destiny, there's some manifestation of Christ in that dream coming to pass. If you don't believe that, if you think it's just to make you money, you're wrong. If you think that that's just to get you famous or to just heal your body or just make you comfortable, you've missed it. Somewhere in there is the proclamation, declaration of the reality of Jesus Christ. In every single promise in this room where God has made a promise and put you on a, on a path of mission and destiny. You have to see it. You need to find this. Why? Because when the devil fights against your destiny, it's because he's fighting to keep the Jesus testimony from being manifested in your dream coming to pass. He's not trying to stop you from being happy. He knows that in that testimony is the testimony of Christ. Somewhere in that healing is the testimony of Christ. Somewhere in your business succeeding is the testimony and furthering of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somewhere in that marriage is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Are you understanding? The devil's not just fighting you, my friend. Though you're a big deal, you're not that big of a deal. He's fighting the Jesus testimony that God is trying to bring into the earth. The reason he tried to wipe Israel out so many times was to prevent the Messiah from being born. Are you hearing this? And so you, it's important that we somehow start connecting ourselves to the work of Jesus in the earth. That the vision and the story and the testimony is somehow connected to Jesus because first of all, that'll make you fight harder. Because you're not fighting for your flesh, you're fighting for the kingdom. And you also realize why you're being attacked. You're not being attacked and being bullied just because someone's trying to give you a hard time. It's because there's a Jesus factor in your testimony. Are you seeing that? In the faith journey, when God said, come walk Abraham, it wasn't just to give Abraham land, it was to build the nation of Israel in which Jesus would come. Amen. That's the key this morning in what, what's the motivator of, of, of laying all of it down, of laying down the familiarity, of putting myself at such great risk, of even giving up fame, fortune, finance at times for the sake of this dream or for the sake of this, it's because it's not just a dream, there's something of Christ in that dream. And then it's worth every penny, and then it's worth laying your life down, and then it's worth the persecution. Are you seeing this? Now stand with me as we close. Let me pray this into your spirit. Be encouraged today if you're on this faith journey, faith walk. This is the children of God. The just shall live by faith. Let me pray for you. Put your hand over your heart so I can pray faith and encouragement into your heart. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for Calvary. 
I pray for our eyes to see and our ears to hear as you invited us on faith journeys. God, I ask that you help us to start. I ask that you help us to start getting these things into our spirit, seeing it, hearing it, speaking it, getting it around us. God, I pray today you help us to see Jesus in these stories. You've promised businesses in this room, but Jesus is in that business somewhere. You've promised notoriety and influence, but Jesus is in that influence somewhere. God, help us to find Jesus in the story and to realize that's what we're fighting for. That's the dream. That's the driving force. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear the Savior in the story, I pray. In Jesus' name, I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of Calvary family. And you're furthering the kingdom through us in this earth. Not just in this building, but what you're creating through us in the earth. Lord, I give you thanks and I give you praise in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say a big amen. 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 Be encouraged. Celebrate God. Be encouraged. Celebrate God. Keep walking. Keep walking. Let me ask you this. Let me just give people an opportunity to receive Jesus. I'll close and dismiss. This morning, if you're not right with God, I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means we all need a Savior. The Bible says that the wages and penalty of our sin is death, separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to ask you today if you've ever called on the name of the Lord Jesus to save you. If you say, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life that I've ever asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, I'm about to pray. I'm going to count to three in a moment. And if you want to give your life to Jesus and call on him for the first time, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If you say, Pastor Kevin, I used to have a relationship with God that was pretty alive, but if I was honest, it's grown cold. I've drifted away, and I would like a restart. I would like to recommit myself to Jesus today. If that's you, when I count to three, raise your hand, and we'll pray for you too. So if everyone just bow your heads and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds, give some people some privacy between them and God. When I count to three today, if you say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. I want to call on Jesus to save me for the first time, or I want to recommit myself, and just raise your hand when I count to three. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you raise your hand? There's one hand there. Awesome. Anybody else today? Just put it up so I can see it. We'll count you right where you are, and then we'll pray. Anyone else today? Just put it up. Put it up. Two. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else today? Pray for me, Pastor. I want to give my life to Jesus or I want to restart. Just pop it up. All right, let's all pray together. Would you, for those two and any others that may be watching online, let's all pray together. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me, that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those two? And anyone else maybe that prayed that prayer that we don't know about? Congratulations and welcome home. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.